For those who don't know me or are new to this podcast, I'm the co-founder of a plant-based portable coffee creamer called Unicreamer. I started with my sister, Elise, and we have been through everything from financing to a Kickstarter campaign, finding the right manufacturer, an accelerator, and even filming for Shark Tank. Not airing, but filming. And I'm here to basically help you avoid mistakes and answer questions that you just don't know when you're starting out. I want this to be a no BS podcast. I'm not going to spend five minutes selling you something, but if I get a little sassy in the future, you never know. This podcast is also sponsored by the Asa Collective, the fastest growing women's podcast network with the goal of helping ambitious women monetize. Hope you enjoy the show. Hi guys, um, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm here with Alex, the accountpreneur. Um, I found Alex because Unicreamer uh, was in an accelerator with a lot of really cool uh, food businesses. And one of the food businesses, Fronin, I'll give you guys a shout out because I love you and your product. They were like, you have to meet Alex. I think projections is the one thing that confuses everyone. Certainly, yeah. It's like, do we need them when we're starting out? What do they even mean? Um, It's just a bunch of numbers on a spreadsheet. So I gave our messy, messy projections to Alex and he Not that messy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess. (laughs) I mean, the one thing the accelerator did is kind of put things into perspective for us. Um, But we shot over to him and he just kind of cleaned it up and made a summary financial statement page, which I slapped right on our pitch deck. Um, it was beautiful. I think you did it in like an hour, which I don't know how you do that magic. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to let him introduce himself, like what he, you know, why he's doing what he's doing now. And then we'll kind of dive right into the good stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on here. So quick background on myself. Uh, I started my career in the traditional accounting uh, at Deloitte doing you know, traditional big four accounting, knowing what a GL is, auditing uh, public companies that are in the distribution manufacturing space. So it's been about two and a half years there as most accountants do and then left and actually joined uh, Groupon where I was oh, for nice. about three years. Yeah. So uh, at Groupon, I specialized in Latin America. So they had acquired about eight different businesses in Latin America and really had no accounting um, methodologies or oh, any wow. sort of anything that was going on. So they were operating on, you know, Colombian accounting standards, Chilean oh, wow. accounting standards, all those sorts of things. And what they needed was somebody to come in who spoke Spanish. So I speak Spanish Oh, nice. and somebody to translate from a U.S. accounting perspective, okay. translate their financials and making sure they were accounting for everything correctly. And then as part of that also is to sort of break down their financials in more of a granular way, which is, you know, finding out what profitability was by each of the channels to be able to drive decisions going forward on how they wanted the business to go. Right. Right. And I think that's like the one thing what projections are good for is making those decisions, right? Like you have your mission, vision, and values for your company, but then also like the numbers speak for themselves. You don't have a business unless you can like project what that's going to look like. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it gives you, I would say, I always tell my clients, it's like, I'm not going to be driving your growth, but I'm going to be a growth enabler. Right. Right. So as long as you're armed with the best possible information, you can make decisions pretty quickly on where you want to go with the business, whether it's more retail, whether it's more e-commerce, et cetera. Right. And I think for us too, like when we really sat down and looked at it, we were, you know, as a new food company or a new product, you're like, oh, I want to be in every big store right away. But the numbers for us actually didn't make sense at all. It made sense for us to 
build e-commerce first and then the next year actually go into retail. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's so interesting. So let's dive right in. When you're starting a business, who needs projections? How much or how many years should you project out? Like just I'm yeah. a new business owner. What do I do? Yeah, no, it could be a little overwhelming when you first start out and figuring out what you actually need and right. sort of what's overkill, right? So I would say that in order to get a potential investor interested or even understand where the business is going for yourself, right. you should always model out at least you know two to three years of, of quality assumptions okay. on where you could potentially grow in the next three years. And then okay. when an investor base starts getting interested, maybe you spread it out to five years. Okay. And, that's, and it could be really basic, right? Yeah. So I would say uh, you definitely want to have your revenue perspective is going to be the biggest driver. Right. And how you're going to achieve revenue between the channels. So right. are you going to be retail heavy? Are you going to be e-commerce heavy? Sort of the initial strategy of how you're going to launch the business. Right. To have some success. Cool. And you guys, when he says assumptions, he means like all of the basics. Like assumptions how many stores do you think you are going to be in next month and then grow every single month is that going to be three months and then starting six months down is that four months um, online how fast are you going to grow based off how much you put on into Facebook exactly when you mean when he's talking about assumptions that's actually a whole different page that when you do build out that page and you switch the numbers around everything else can change yeah and in the the piece of assumptions I just want to go back on is, you know, forecasting is not an exact science by any means. You right. don't know where the business is going to be in one year or two right. years, but you should be grounded in, you know, some industry metrics as far as sort of your velocities or how fast you're moving through stores right. or velocities even online. Right. right. So be grounded in actual data that you can prove out, whether it's your data or somebody else's data. Right. Uh, you just have to make sure that it's somewhat realistic and, and exactly. uh, yeah, reliable. And also like the good thing about doing projections like right off the bat, even if it's just a year and you are kind of clueless, but putting together a spreadsheet, it gives you goals to meet every month. Like if you're projecting that you're going to make five thousand dollars next month and you are mid-month and you're only at a thousand, you have a lot of work to do. Yes. Like you gotta sure. <laughs> like ramp something up. So it's such a good, like, it's such a good thing to have when you are trying to hit those goals on a month-to-month -month basis. Correct, yeah. And it, I think it could, it could definitely be overwhelming on some of the items of building out a projection. So I, th I would say keep it as basic as possible for the meantime. Right. Put some good, you know, assumptions regarding revenue right. and then sort of build underneath a cost structure that you would expect to spend okay. to be able to achieve the revenue from the top. Right? Okay. And I think like I'm, as I'm going through this, I'm thinking about it. I probably should attach to this episode like examples for you guys. Yes. And so when you're listening to this, you can take notes and know what we're talking about. So yeah, definitely. I'm going to do that for yeah. sure. Um, okay. So Let's kind of go through, I'm a new business, I'm a clothing company, I'm, I'm selling hats. Um, when we're building out a spreadsheet, what tabs should I have? Like, I, yeah. I just know tabs in cells. Absolutely. What tabs should I have? I think number one tab that you should have is whether you're going to be manufacturing those hats or buying the hats from overseas or okay. somewhere, some another, another retailer here. Okay. So like so, the cost of goods. Exactly. Basically. You have okay. to have, you have to know exactly what it costs you to either produce the product or buy the product. Got it. Right. So that's going to be one of your most important tabs. 
because everything else is going to be driven by what it costs you to buy or make that product. Right. Okay. So cost of goods, um, number one. Number one. Okay. Number two, I think, would certainly be uh, I would have a pricing spreadsheet or a pricing tab okay. where you would think of you know the retailer and what the retailer's margin, so what the retailer is going to make on your product Okay. to be able to back in to what you need to price the product to the retailer for them to make their margin. Got it. So it's a pricing tab. So you okay. want to do pricing for a retailer, pricing for e-commerce. Okay. So number two tab is margins. Correct. Okay. Yep. Got it. Pricing margin. So okay. think of the actual selling price and then right. the margin you're going to make on that product for right. each channel. Okay. Got it. Cool. Um, and that's it? No, definitely not. So, <laughs> so that's tab number two. Tab number three is now doing what you were saying is okay. where you start to uh, make some assumptions around how fast you're going to sell to different retailers. Okay. And then how fast do you think you can sell to e-commerce? Obviously, as you start out the channels, it's going to be a little slower up front. So, you right. know, you start to build up, say, I'm going to sell 10 hats in the first month. Right. The next month, I'm going to build in, you know, a percentage growth, maybe 2% growth. Right. So I'm going to sell incremental amount of hats. And then you sort of build on that month to month. Right. And then sort of figure out, you know, what's realistic growth rate. Right. And also like, something that you can add on that tab too is if the holidays, there's a spike, um, you should always add that to the assumptions tab because when you get to the, the cash flow, which is going to show you what you're making on a month to month and then also subtract expenses and you're getting complicated, at least you can see that you're going to be spiking in December, for yeah, example. Exactly. So, so now you essentially have your pricing spreadsheet, your cost of goods sold spreadsheet, and your sales spreadsheet ties back into the pricing okay. and ties back into the cost of goods sold. Right. So now you've started to build out a full, what we call gross margin. So your sales less your COGS. Okay. That's gross margin. Got it. So that gives you your, your, your most important line. Uh -huh. Now what you start to build underneath it is your operating expenses. So think of operating expenses is nothing related to the cost of your product anymore, right. but advertising, marketing, um, you know, freight fulfillment costs, right. and then, you know, rent. payroll for yourself, rent, et cetera. Yep. Got it. So I would probably have another tab that would be advertising and marketing investments. So right. those are the, those are going to be the significant investments that are going to be driving the revenue into your business. Right. And let me tell you guys one thing when it comes to operating expenses. Like, I don't know if anyone's like me or my sister, but we are, we started expensing so many things and investors do not want to see that. They want to see you be really stingy with your money. Correct. Um, so your expenses are actually really important in terms of like, if someone's going to write you a check in the future, they want to know that your money is going to the right place. So whether you have to eat a can of noodles every day for a month, whatever you got to do, keep those operating expenses as low as possible. Correct. Just like off the bat. Yeah. Keep them as low as possible, but invest in the right things, exactly. right? Yeah. So, so maybe don't spend all that money at, you know, RPM. Right. Italian, right. But spend it on an additional Amazon ad campaign or, you know, Facebook, Instagram targeted ad. Right. Or any other type of, you know, demo, et cetera. That's exactly. actually going to drive top line. Exactly. And when you're thinking about pulling also for your own self, um, try to be like, I think you could go either way. Um, you can give yourself a small salary because people will respect the fact that this is your full-time job and that you are taking care of yourself to take care of the business. Um, however, be really mindful that you aren't taking too much um, to the point where it, you know, 
it's not a scalable business because you're focusing on just paying out. But I guess that all also depends on your goals and stuff. Yeah, too. correct. But and you know, as we as you go a little further and you start to put put together a pitch deck, which obviously you started to do and yeah. have done, is you'll have to have a, a use of funds slide, right. that, which is always fun to build. Like, yeah. This much is going, <laughs> this much is going to inventory. This much is going to marketing, yeah. etc. Yeah. So yeah, it's good advice. It's a lot. Um, okay, so cool. First, we have the, let's summarize this. The first tab is the- Cogs. Cogs. Yep. Cost of goods. Second tab is margins, what you're going to be paid- Correct. When you're selling. Yep. Third tab is the, like, not the cash flow. What was the third tab? No, so the third tab is going to be your, so I would say your second tab is your pricing. Okay, second tab. Second pricing. pricing. Okay. Third tab is your velocities and revenue growth. Okay, got it. The growth, okay. Fourth tab is going to be your advertising and marketing spend. Okay, got it. So that'd be fourth tab. Okay. And then finally, the fifth tab is going to be sort of a, a summarization of everything. So it's going to link to the individual tabs. Okay. So you have total revenue for the month, total COGS for the month, gross margin, yeah, advertising and marketing costs. Got it. And then if you try, if you like to chat, track what we call contribution margin, okay, that's your gross margin, which is selling minus COGS, minus advertising and marketing, that's contribution margin. Okay. So contribution margin thought in a different way is the margin you made after marketing and after COGS. Okay. The money left over to pay all everything else. Okay. That's sort of back office functions, payroll, et cetera. Got it. Okay. So for a typical um, consumer packaged goods product in the first year, what does contribution margin look like for most businesses? It's a good question. So typically what you want, it, it depends whether you're e-commerce heavy or um, retail heavy. Right. If you're, if you're a blend between the two, I would say you have to shoot for a 20% contribution margin. Okay. That is ideal because you need to obviously have money left over to pay the rest of your operating expenses. Right. If you don't, you're going to be what we call in the red, mm -hmm. negative, losing cash. Right. Right. But isn't that typical though? It is typical to a point, okay. right? So investors acknowledge the fact that at the beginning for CPG companies, especially nowadays, that you're going to be in the red for one, two, three years because you're investing and you're reinvesting advertising and marketing and right. building your brand and driving that sales growth and velocity. Right. But at some point, you know, you have to actually think about growing a scalable business. Right. So no investor also wants to see you bleeding cash, you know, five years down the road and totally. you have to continue to raise capital, which means you continue to dilute the investors. And dilution obviously means that you continue to raise capital right. at the expense of older investors because they're obviously getting more shares issued in the pool, which means they own less of the company. Got it. Okay. So I guess in summary, like if you're going to build out three-year projections, it's okay to be in the red yes. as long as that you're showing that you're eventually getting out of the red. Correct. Yeah. Which is important to know is, you know, you, as you grow your revenue, you actually might increase your loss okay. on a dollar basis. Okay. But on a, as a percentage of revenue, which could be a little confusing, your percentage of revenue of your loss becomes uh -huh. less and less. Right. So although you're growing your loss dollar wise, you're getting closer to profitability and scalability by reducing that loss as a percentage of revenue. Got it. It's a little confusing, but once you start to map out your financials and your projections, right. it'll make a little more sense. Yeah, and I think like giving everyone an example yeah. after this 
when we're talking about it, I think it will make more sense when you're on that page yep. to see what you're talking about. Okay. So co contribution margin. And then when you're a new entrepreneur, that other crazy word, EBITDA. Uh, EBITDA. I, I, EBITDA. Everyone, yeah. like EBITDA, I heard it. Like, I do not know how to pronounce it right. It's so <laughs> EBITDA, EBITDA. Yeah. Uh, it sounds I say EBITDA. like a Spanish word to yeah. me. I was like, what language is that? That's a projection? Like, I was so confused. Now I obviously know yeah. that. Anyways, what the so, heck is that? Yeah, so EBITDA stands for earnings before income tax, depreciation, and amortization. Okay. Or for most younger companies, there's really no differentiation between EBITDA and operating profit. Okay. So your operating profit is think about everything that actually relates to the business and operations of the business. Okay. So like I said, you know, your, your sales, COGS, advertising, marketing, operating expenses, stuff that would sit below operating income or EBITDA is, you know, interest on notes. Mm, so it, it is an expense, right? but it really has no bearing on the performance of your business. Right. So that's more of a below the line. Okay. That uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You could do... Some people do depreciation. So depreciation is, you know, the cost of uh, year to year of any of your fixed assets or your property. Okay. Sort of reducing in value. Okay. So some people put that in operating expenses, but a lot of people put that below operating loss because, it, again, no really bearing on the results of the business on a right. month to month basis. Okay. So like that's that's great for investors because like they obviously don't care about the things that are out of your control. Correct. Um, they just want to know how you are as operators. So, okay. That's a great number. Yeah. To know. Yeah. I mean, it, I think investors still may be interested depending on how, if that interest is generating from, right. you know, working capital loans and how much debt you're in. Okay. They'll want to know that. Okay. But you want to exclude it as far as your like important metrics of operating loss. Got it. All right. Or so, operating profit, hopefully. Right. <laughs> and so EBITDA and uh, contribution margin, let's say they're negative, but they're improving. They're getting better. Mm -hmm. That that percentage uh, of revenue is is getting smaller with contribution yep. margin. How would you, if I'm putting this on my pitch deck, I have a great pitch, I have a great product, how would you explain that? Like we're not gonna be profitable for three years, mm -hmm. we're showing. How do you talk about that in an, in an educated way? Yeah, so the way I think about it usually is either you're going to be a lifestyle company, and you probably heard this before, or a growth company. Okay. And a growth company is one that investors are interested in because you are reinvesting all of the cash that you're getting in back into expenses, back into advertising and marketing to be right. able to continue to drive that, that revenue line up into the right. Right. Versus a lifestyle company would be, you know, a company that is growing modestly, not investable, but you're making a nice profit by not investing so much in advertising and marketing. Right. So I think the way to pitch it in a pitch deck is, Yes, we're going to be losing cash, you know, years one, two, three. Okay. But we're going to be driving growth and revenue at an exponential rate. So in the future, in years five, six, seven, you're getting to a point where you have so much revenue and margin generated that you can cover your operating expenses and okay. drive actual cash flow. Right. So that's the way to explain it is, you know, and a lot of investors will obviously understand it in yeah, CPG is that you want to grow almost as fast as possible. As, as responsible as possible too. Right. Uh, and so just saying you're investing for the future, investing in advertising and marketing and giving them a good sense of what your advertising marketing plan is, whether it's right. you know, a digital strategy, whether it's uh, you know a marketing agency helping you out, 
anything like that. Right. So giving them a little more details on that side. I love the way you just explained that because when we've talked to investors before, um, you know, the thing that that they typically say is we'll write a check, but we want to see that the path to profitability is going up and that the risk is low. So when you're able to explain it, like we're investing in inventory, we're investing right now in our growth in marketing, but like this is like the path. Um, and when the, when the graph is going up, then that's what they care about the Correct. most. They're not going to look at your numbers and be like, oh, you, you're in, uh, in the red right now. I'm not going to invest. That's just not how it works. Yeah. And I think once you get sophisticated investors, especially in this space, they understand it. You know, right. Maybe somebody who's not in CPG may not understand sort of what the end goal is. Right. Um, and that's actually what we've, we've pitched to tech entrepreneurs in the past and like, they didn't understand that, you know, for us, we buy inventory first before we sell it. So it goes way down in the red, but then like it starts to go up and then it goes down again. Um, so it's, it's interesting to explain it to them. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it's so different. Yeah. I mean the cash flow cycle in a SaaS company. So software as a service is much better. You're getting all the money up front. Right. And so then you can reinvest that money that you already have in building out your product, right. engineers, et cetera. Yeah, because so, in that product you start way in the red. You're like, I have nothing and then you just get it all at once and then yeah. you take off. Yeah. And that's just not the case. Yeah, CPG CPG is, <laughs> CPG is, is tough from a cash perspective. So yeah. it's all about being able to manage the working capital cycle. And maybe in uh, you know in, in future sort of episodes, we can talk about um, working capital, different companies that help out CPG companies yeah. to get them capital now, whether it's, you know, factoring or whatever it may be. Right. I think that's really good. I think right now, just to keep it simple, I want to wrap this up, but yeah. I do want to first uh, have people know where to find you and ask you questions. And then secondly, um, if anyone listens to this and they have questions that they want, and I can bring Alex back on, um, just write in at cpgbabe at gmail.com and we'll definitely bring them back on because I know everyone's going to have a ton of questions. Definitely. If I could have one last thing yeah. is if you start a company, get QuickBooks online. Yeah. <laughs> get it. It's, it's the biggest time saver and you'll be able to track all your expenses and everything right. in that. So, you know, as part of I teach at the hatchery a little bit and I always say, if you get nothing out of this talk, get QuickBooks. Yes. A hundred percent agree. We but, had Quicken when we started. Um, it wasn't the same. It's, it's not as user friendly. I would yeah, say. So I, I totally agree yeah. with you. But whatever your preference is, get some sort of ERP system that, right. that can help you track your revenue, track your expenses. Right. Because otherwise, what I always, what's the problem is you build these projections, but you have nothing to measure them against because you're not gathering the information of actuals, right? Right, exactly. So, and then you have to go back every month and read and not redo everything, but plug everything back in. And that takes about a week sometimes yes. to do. So you're going to save yourself a lot of time if you don't. A ton. Yeah. Um, but, and is there anything else that's important. I don't think so. Yeah. If you have any questions, like obviously you'll reach out to Lori here or yeah. reach out to me directly at the Awesome. All right. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks. Bye.